1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time for You Better You Bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL.
0: And welcome into You Better You Bet here on a Tuesday. P.J. Glasser alongside Mark Drumheller, Nick Costos, and Ken Barkley with the day off. We'll be with you guys for the next four hours up until 7 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to run through all of the games in Week 17 in the NFL. Mark and I will give out some leans, some picks, where we're thinking about going in some of those games. We're going to talk some NFL futures as well, some NBA futures, break down some bowl games, college football, playoff and uh, give out some of our best bets. You guys can watch us on twitch.tv slash You can go to YouTube, search Odyssey Sports. We're also on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. But, Mark, before we get into anything, man, great to see you. How's everything going? Did you have a good, uh, good Christmas la- yesterday?
1: Oh, it was a phenomenal Christmas, PJ. A la marvelous Christmas to add is, you know, Lamar Jackson like did a huge with the Ravens coming through in the nightcap <laughs> in what was like the, uh, you know, Ali Frazier of the NFL season. We get to see two of the best teams go at it, and uh, the Ravens came out on top in decisive fashion.
0: What was your biggest takeaway from that game, Mark? Was it maybe the Niners aren't as good as we thought they were? Is it that the Ravens are just that good? Is it that Lamar's the MVP? Like, if you had one singular takeaway from the game last night, what what do you think it would be?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people in the betting world forgot that this is the NFL and every team has holes and there's certain, you know, styles make fights. There's certain matchups that are going to benefit certain teams and no team, no coach is, you know, as good as you think Kyle Shanahan is, um, you know, can run from that. And I I think the, you know, it, it, it just exploited some of the ways you can beat Shanahan's offense, the pressure getting to Purdy, we saw how it impacted him, um, and we saw that earlier in the season, you know, in the games where Debo was out and, and you know, Cleveland was able to tee off on him. So I think it kind of lays out a little bit of a blueprint. Not everybody can execute that blueprint like the Ravens, but, you know, and I thought the Niners being, you know, that big of favorites over, you know, was arguably, you know, the top two teams in the league being a six-point favorite in that matchup. I just thought that was a little disrespectful.
0: You know, I agree. I think that the Niners, if Niners fans are waking up this morning and, you know, they thought they had the best team in the NFL and maybe they still think that, you know, it's it's one game, but this is what the Ravens do to NFC teams. Like Lamar's 20 and 1 against the NFC in his career. Look at what they did to the Lions. Look at what they did to the Seahawks earlier this year. Like this isn't new. When the Ravens go up against the NFC, they, they normally don't beat them; they beat them badly. This is now their seventh win against a team with the winning record. Five of them have been by double digits. Now, I thought there was a chance the Ravens could win the game last night. I didn't think it'd be that dominant. I mean, you know, they they went for the short field goal with Tucker there to make it thirty-three to twelve. If Harbaugh decides to go for that fourth and goal at the one, and they go up thirty-seven to twelve. That game might be even more of a blowout th- than it actually was, than the score indicated. But Brock Purdy, who had been so efficient all season, who had only had four turnovers or all- five turnovers all year, for him to throw four picks probably should have had five, Mark. I mean, it was just, it was crazy to see. I also, Anahan's game plan really wasn't that good at all. Like the Niners were gashing the Ravens on the ground, right? That one touchdown drive that they had in the second quarter was because of McCaffrey on the ground and I know they got a great passing game. Obviously Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, McCaffrey. They're so good in the receiving game and after the catch, but I mean, there's such a good running team. McCaffrey is obviously the best back in football. You can give the ball to Debo too. Just felt like it wasn't one of Shanahan's better game plans. It almost felt like they were kind of out to prove that Purdy was the MVP and that they can like throw it on the Ravens. But I think if they end up meeting again, which possibly they could down the road in the Super Bowl, I, I think, Shanahan's going to look at that tape, and he's probably going to run run the ball a lot more the next time.
1: It's very possible, but I think you know part of that is the key takeaway. Another key takeaway from the game is is that you know Baltimore won on the sidelines. You know, like like Mike McDonald was the one that was able to move the chess pieces to where he needed to to get the desired result, and Kyle Shanahan didn't have the answers. You know, he wasn't able to make those in game adjustments to help out Purdy you know, to mitigate the pass rush, you know, to get his guys open. So, and, you know, defensively, as strong as the 49ers looked, I think, you know, the Ravens scored on, what was it, seven straight drives? You know, there were no defensive adjustments for them to shut down what the Ravens were doing. And I don't even think Lamar was, you know, exceptionally crisp. Like, I don't think Lamar Jackson even played his best game. And he still ran through that defense, you know, pretty much at will when he needed to. Um, So, I mean, I think that was – a glaring thing that you take out of it. All the accolades that Shanahan's gotten at 49ers coaching staff and they got beat. I mean, the Ravens took them to school, huge game from Mike McDonald.
0: You know, I think too, this just speaks to the, the 49ers now have four losses on the season. Three of them have come against the AFC North. So I think that just kind of tells you how good that division is, right? We know it's the best division in football, top to bottom, every team, in that division has a winning record and you watch him play against the 49ers. The fact that three of those teams have been able to beat them, I think says a lot. Something else I thought was fascinating, Mark, going in to this weekend, going into week 16, the Niners were plus 100 to win the NFC. And now they're actually minus 105. And a lot of that has to do with Dallas obviously losing, right? Showing once again, they can't win on the road. Philadelphia beats the Giants but again that defense has major issues that's why I think if you're San Francisco if you're a fan of San Francisco like at the end of the day as bad as that game was yesterday the Ravens are in the AFC right like the teams that have given you issues this year are in the AFC you've played the Eagles you've played against Dallas you've seen what those games are like the Lions don't have a good defense so I think San Francisco's fine Brock Purdy, we have to remember, it's only his second year in the league. Like, every quarterback has games like this. He played against the best defense in the NFL. So, that was one of my big takeaways is that the AFC North division is just ridiculous. The AFC as a whole is really good. And, you know, the NFC, man, even though maybe the Ravens put some things on film that teams can exploit and teams like the Eagles and, and Dallas have seen them already, which might help them if they meet up again, But uh, again, I just think the gap between the Niners and everybody else, because if you want to beat San Francisco, you better have a defense that can make Brock Purdy uncomfortable. And I just don't know if these other teams in the NFC have that.
1: Well, you have to have a combination of two things, right? And you know, it's really a combination of a lot of things. But you know, we don't have all share to talk about. You know, how to beat the Forty ers but you got to have that pass <laughs> rush, and you got to have linebackers that can cover and kind of so you know, you know, lock up that middle of the field. And that's it. You know, Patrick Queen, Kyle ha- uh, Hamilton, you know, and Roquan Smith. You know, they they've been the difference makers, and I think that's where they really match up with the Niners, and that's where teams like Dallas and Philadelphia fall a little bit short, right? Like they might be able to get the pass rush, but the linebackers can't hold it down if they're getting those quick passes down. And that's really the difference. I agree with you. Like I, I still think, you know, if, if the 49ers can stay healthy, the NFC is probably theirs. But I think that's a real big question mark, and it's an even bigger question mark. You know, now that we saw Trent Williams go out with a groin, now we saw Brock Purdy go out with a stinger, right? And that was yeah. my major question with this team coming into the season, is I haven't seen these guys go through a full season in this Kyle Shanahan offense where you get all these yards they have to catch, everybody's taking a ton of hits, really hold up and be able to stay healthy through the whole season. And this year, they've done it. So all power to them. And I hope every team stays healthy. But we're starting to see them wear down a little bit, and we're starting to see these injuries start to pile up.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. Mark, let's talk about your team, the Eagles. They played the Giants yesterday. They get the win, but don't cover the big number. A lot of late steam on Philadelphia going into that game. They were as short as like 10.5-point favorites early in the week. They end up closing as two touchdown favorites at minus 14. They were up big at halftime, and then, you know, That fumble at the start of the second half kind of changed everything. And I'm sure as an Eagles fan, you're probably thinking, oh, here we go. This is not what we need. Dable makes a great decision bringing in Tyrod to kind of mix it up a little bit. He looks good for the Giants, gives them a spark on offense. But watching that Eagles game yesterday, like, do you still have concerns? Is there anything that you saw that maybe gives you hope heading into the playoffs? What were your takeaways from the game?
1: Yeah, a little bit of everything, right? You know, watching an Eagles game as an Eagles fan is always a roller coaster of emotions. It's been that way all season. My uncle had the Eagles in a teaser minus seven, so you could imagine how we were watching the end of that game. Uh, But, you know, it all worked out. And, uh, you know, so I I just think, you know, with this, it's been this story all season. Like, you know, the potential is there. It's just, can they be consistent through four quarters and put it together and reduce the mistakes? And they did it yesterday. And I think yesterday was kind of a microcosm of the whole season. Now, they doubled them up on first downs. You know, they won yards by, I think, 170 yards, you know, give or take a field on the exact numbers. But, you know, moved the ball pretty pretty much, you know, how they wanted to. But they just had these crazy mistakes, like it, you know, it, you know, running into the Boston Scott when he returns. You know, the the kick for the fumble, and then the the pick six where Goddard falls down. Like that's a completion. It's not even like Jalen Hurts did the wrong thing. Like the ball was there. Everything was on time. Everything was perfect. Goddard slips and then it's a pick six the other way. And that changed the whole momentum of the game. So those little things just seem to happen every single game for this Eagles team. So that's why I didn't lay the big number with them, even though it was Christmas. I was like, you know, I I don't know. I just want to enjoy it as a fan. But yeah, there's just something a little bit off. I mean, it seemed like offensively, they had a little more balance. The play calling was a little bit better. So I was comfortable with that. But um, they're still making these critical mistakes that they're just not going to be able to do in the playoffs against good teams.
0: It was nice to see like in that third, fourth quarter, then finally start getting AJ Brown going a little bit. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. obviously been talked about a lot is he was on such a heater towards the beginning of the year, much like Stefan Diggs was with the bills. And then for whatever reason, these last like five, six weeks, these guys have been having these hundred yard games that they were earlier in the year. It feels like to me, the Eagles just aren't running the ball enough. It's like, they almost know how good their offensive line is and they know that they can run the ball that it feels like they get too cute at times and they try to throw it a little too much. I'd like to see them run the ball a little yeah, bit but, more, but
1: I, you know, to, yeah, to that point PJ and that's, that's a hot topic here in Philadelphia. Like we're very like blue collar. Let's play like the eighties. Let's run the football and, you know, beat you in a cloud of dust and pound you in the submission. But that's not this team this year. Like the offensive line is not the same. And I, I don't know why. I can't figure it out. But, you know, since week four, I think they've only averaged 3.4 yards per carry. You know, <laughs> so, like, they're not they're not a good rushing team right now. So, I don't know if that's the offensive line up front, if the running backs are wearing down, what the situation is. So, it's good that they were able to kind of commit to it against a, a bad Giants team. But, you know, w- when they really need that running game, I'm not sure it's going to be there.
0: Yeah, I, I just, you know, I mean, that's a good point. Obviously, you know, Swift was great at the beginning of the year. He's kind of cooled off a little bit. It's just, it's it's a little concerning because that O-line, I mean, they still have so many big names and so many good pieces up front. I just feel like when, when they commit to the run from the games that I've kind of seen and mm-hmm. when I've watched them, it seems like that's when they're at their best. Um, but yeah, it, that it, could be it. like yesterday. It could be
1: that, like... You know, if, if you commit to it more, obviously the offensive line gets more comfortable, does better. And maybe just like the lack of, you know, reps, so to speak, or lack of, you know, running the football has kind of like decreased the effectiveness.
0: Yeah, because I'm the same way when I'm watching Ravens games. It's like I'm all for letting Lamar develop as a passer. You know, they finally have gotten him some weapons and he's playing great. But like at the end of the day, like the Ravens bread and butter when they're at their best is when they're running the ball. What, what I was so mm-hmm. impressed with last night is, you know, they were dominating San Francisco. Gus Edwards had like three carries midway through the third quarter. I'm like, I, I don't know how this is happening, but um, yeah. So I think you put it perfectly though. The Eagles, you know, that game almost kind of microcosm of their season a little bit. There was some good, there was some bad, there was some turnovers, but they get away with the win. That Niners loss was also big for, uh, for the Eagles, Mark, because now Eagles win out, Niners trip up one more time, Eagles are going to get that all-important number one seed in the NFC. How about the Chiefs and the Raiders game? That kicked off the triple header on Christmas Day. I don't know many people that thought that Vegas was going to win yesterday. Mark, did you see the stat that Aiden O'Connell didn't complete a pass for the final three quarters of the game? He was 0-10 for 10 with four kneel downs in quarters 2-3-4, and four. beat Patrick Mahomes on the road, like that I can't even like compute that in my head. I know the Chiefs are obviously struggling mightily on offense Mahomes was 33 and0 straight up in his career as a touchdown favorite or more in November or later I believe I just that game yesterday made no sense. the Raiders obviously had those two defensive touchdowns but for O'Connell to virtually do absolutely nothing for three quarters and the Raiders to win that game. Chiefs got real issues, don't they? Like, if you're a Chiefs fan, you got to be panicking big time.
1: Yeah, how about these Chiefs? You know, like, you look back just from last year, and last year, you know, the whole narrative after the season was they can do it without having these premier offensive weapons. And then they push the envelope a little further, and it all seems to be falling apart. So I think that's a team in, in real trouble. I think the AFC is wide open.
0: Do they still scare you, though? Like, when they get matched up with somebody against the playoffs, don't you think that, that Mahomes-Andy Reed factor, even though we're all watching the same team, and I feel like if you took the Chiefs off of their front of their jersey, we all wouldn't think of them the same. But even even with it still being Mahomes, like, even if you're looking to fade them, aren't you going to be worried that at the end of the day, it, it's still the Chiefs? It's still Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in the playoffs? A
1: little bit, but they're going to be on the road, and we haven't seen what that looks like yet. So that's, that's you know, true. when the games really count, they're going to be on the road, and I think that that's something that we're all going to be fascinated to watch, you know, how the Chiefs respond in that situation. So um, I think they got their work cut out for them. They just don't have that easy button to hit on offense, and I think that's why they're struggling the most.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. We're also going to talk about the NBA Christmas Day games. When we come back, we had five of those. Then we're going to get into the NFL futures market, talk some MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Offensive Player of the Year. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, here on You Better, You Bet, presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back.